But you know, Max, when we want to get, feel like we have some sense of control out of our life, we don't need to do the big things. I've always believed, you can quote me on it, an inch is a cinch, a mile takes a while. And so as we go through this challenging times, you don't have to take on the biggest thing, but everything that I can do that I've never done before that pushes me out, I can reframe with this. It allows me to feel that I have some sense of control when there's so much that's in our world right now that is not in our control. back to the Max Out Show, where today I'm joined by the founder and chief energy officer of the Resiliency Group, Eileen McDarf. After 40 years of helping individuals and companies thrive in the midst of challenge and chaos, Eileen is one of the world's leading speakers and authors on moving from burnout to breakthrough. So Eileen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Max. And I love the title, Max Your Life Out. That's great. Isn't that what we all want? Yes, exactly. And so I want to get started with this idea, the difference between getting through and growing through this pandemic or any other challenge that we may face in our lives. So can you talk to us about what that difference really is? I'm glad you asked that because if Burnout to Breakthrough is my new book and the subtitle is Building Resilience to Refuel, Recharge, and Reclaim What Matters. And I'm really big about redefining resilience. Because if you open up the dictionary, basically it says in two words, bounce back. You know, and well, it's fine if you're a piece of steel and you can bend in, in half and then the pressure's gone and you go back to where you were. Or you're a tree and you can bend. But Max, human beings don't bounce back. The word is back. You cannot go back. Your life is different today because of things that you experienced yesterday. It might be in subtle ways, but we don't go back. So resilience is all about how do I grow through. So growth can take any manner of form. It can be everything from physical growth, financial growth, mental growth, but it's, it's how do I stay on a growth mode? And what determines our ability to grow is energy. But think about that. That when you and I were in school, we learned that energy was the capacity to do work. It takes energy to grow. So my, what I look at is what is it that in ourselves individually or in our organizations either gives us energy or depletes our energy. And when it depletes a ton of our energy, that's where we get burnout. Yeah, I think this is such a vital aspect, especially this paradigm shift, first of all, of going from, hey, I'm going to survive, you know, for many people, especially right now, this pandemic, they're just trying to survive until this is finally over. And then there's other people, people like you that I talk to, they're so full of vibrancy, full of energy, and full of life. They're like, I'm going to make the best out of it. I'm going to thrive throughout this challenge, throughout this period that, of course, brings adversity with it. And so, so well, it does. I mean, and we and we don't want to discount any of that. This, our world has never been in the place where we are right now. You had it. I mean, in the Middle Ages, it was in it was in Europe. You know, where we had these pandemics. But this this is huge, and with it has come social unrest. We've got economic uncertainty. Um, 
for here in the United States, you know, our, the number of cases, it just keeps rising. So you don't want to diminish that. At the same time, I can either sit there and go, oh my God, this is horrible, terrible, I'm never going to survive. <laughs> to, okay, how can I find, and it's, it's one, of the, one of the skill sets of learning and growing resiliency is reframing. So reframing is how can I take what at face value is it's horrible, but is there some way that I can look at this in a way that gives me energy, that allows me to grow? In fact, just before I came on with you, I was talking to a, another colleague in another part of the United States, and what we both said is that having to be quarantined, if you will, in our offices, where we can't get out and see each other, it sounds terrible, and yet... I've made some new connections that I never would have made before. I'm reaching out to people I never would have known before. And um, I don't know if your listeners know this, your viewers know this, but you told me what has allowed you to create what you're doing now is a result of the pandemic. Yeah. It's laying in bed and saying, I, I have a limited amount of time. What do I max really want to do and you said i got it i got so you took a growth step yes. and i can tell just by looking at you this growth step as terrible as everything else is has given you energy because you say this is what i wanted to do and the the basic definition of burnout which is given to us by herbert freudenberger in the 70s was to exhaust one's resources mentally, physically, emotionally, by trying to achieve some unrealistic expectation imposed upon by ourselves or society. And that expectation, frankly, is that when we're in, quote, a place, like wherever you worked before, the expectation is, well, I have to stay here. Uh, This is is a good place. I'd be foolish to leave this place. I'd be foolish to start out on my own. And Every one of the case studies that I, that I put together for this book, every one of them, and they were millennials, Gen X, Gen Y, you name, the, uh, boomers, they all got to that place of burnout because they were stuck. They could not see a way through. And so they were emotionally, physically, mentally exhausted, which is very different from stress. Because yeah. there's good stress and there's bad stress. Like when you decided to start this, I mean, you were a lot of, okay, you know, the, the adrenaline's pumping, okay, I've got to be able to do this stuff. I mean, that was, that was stress. Um, so there's you stress and there's distress. If you're playing a, a, playing a soccer match and, you know, it's all tied up and, you know, you're taking that ball down. I mean, there's a lot of stress that's going on, but it's good stress because, okay, we gotta, we got to make this. So... I just answered a lot of that once. Question. I just give you a bunch on it. I'm so sorry about <laughs> no, that. No, I'm loving this. I, I get excited about this because if we don't figure out a way for ourselves individually to move through this, then we really are in a black place. Yes. And I also think, Max, for organizations, for managers, if you can reframe, there's a way to create a better team around you, better outcomes for your organizations, but we have to learn to see it differently. 
And so seeing something differently is really the first skill of resiliency. It's adaptability. How can I find multiple ways of responding to whatever this environment is? You know, I, I love this so much. And actually in the last few days or weeks, I've been really been fascinated by one concept, which is this idea of usefulness versus truthfulness. Meaning oh, many like things that. in life, they're, they're, they may be objectively true, but they may not be helpful to focus on in that moment in order to get you a good life. And this is really what, what this just reminded me of is the, the situation around us is true. It's volatile. It may be dangerous, all of that stuff. But focusing on that aspect of it is just not useful for creating the energy mentally, physically, emotionally that we need in order to be resilient and supercharge our lives. Yeah. And, and also, I'd like to say that I, I use the word cultivate a lot when I talk about resilience. And the reason I choose cultivate is that this is not, they're not going to sit and listen and watch us max and all of a sudden walk away and go, woohoo, I'm <laughs> resilient. I got it. I got it. You know, it, 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 just like when you cultivate a garden. First, you have, to, you have to get rid of all the weeds. You have to hold the garden. You get, get all these clumps that are stuck there. So, and our lives get like that. We got, there's weeds. We got weeds that we're hanging on to. Beliefs about ourselves. Beliefs about how stuff is supposed to be. Well, I got to look at that stuff. I got to weed stuff. I got to knock apart some of those hardcore things that I think it, th th my life is supposed to look like this. Then, when you plant the seed, you can't stop. You have to water it. You go back and you weed stuff. So for anything to grow, it isn't just a snap, it's there. And then there are going to be times in our life when it's a drought. There is no rain. It's not growing. And we have to step back and say, whoa, okay, how do I reframe? What is it that I can do right here, right now with what I have? Because life never goes like this. It always goes like this. Yes. You know, I love this idea of cultivating resilience. In fact, my, my major problem actually with, um, with my upbringing probably is that like I did not have enough adverse events growing up. Like I had, I had a very rather, I guess, easy childhood in a sense that was no major like trauma or pain, whatever. And I actually struggled with that because I think it kept me for a very long time from developing the kind of resilience and mental strikes that I wanted to develop. And so over the last couple of years, I've really sought out things that would bring adversity into my life, whether it's, you know, cold showers or just now ice swimming here. And, you know, you, we, we've talked about Basel before, right? The Ryan, I jump in there almost every single day throughout the winter, you know, that kind of stuff to, to teach myself and cultivate that on purpose because the adversity wasn't there. And so I love what you're saying here, but like, this is actually the process that we need to go through in order to grow ourselves, right? And it doesn't just happen by chance. It doesn't just happen by listening to this. No, it, it doesn't. I, I have to acknowledge you for seeking out opportunities that now you call them adversity. I would say they're opportunities to do things that you are afraid to do, that oh, you've yes. never done. Now, as simple as a cold shower, if I've never done a cold shower, that's okay. We start small. Um, 
one of the things, it was two years ago, I, I always take myself away on a, when I couldn't go away, I can't yeah. go away anymore, um, on a silent retreat. Wow. And I spent two to three days by myself in a nice little place where I can get outside, I can walk, I can run. But then I sit, I think, and I read. And two years ago, I was at a, um, a retreat center. It was an old monastery. And I happened to pick up a book. And in the book I read about, it was about the aging process. And we're all aging. You know, I don't care whether you're 20, you're still aging, or you're 200, you're aging. And it's a practice that started in the Middle Ages in which on the day of your birth, so I'm, I'm born the 5th of September. So the practice was on the 5th of every month for 12 months, you're to do something you have never done before. Wow. And preferably something that stretched you. Now, I, from my reading, I understand that this tradition is only practiced now in some of the Basque regions of Spain. But I decided I would make this a practice. And I didn't want to restrict myself to only the fifth of the month because with business, you know, you don't know what's going to happen on the fifth of the month. Well, I'm now going on my second year of every month pushing myself to do something I have never done before. Wow. And it's, 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 such, a, it's such a rush. Now, I, I have not jumped out of a plane yet with a parachute. I would do it if I had one of those, what do they call tandem jumps? Yeah. Which, oh, it scared me to death. Uh, and I'm not going to do that by myself. And initially it was small. It was like, okay, I signed up to take a Pilates exercise class. I've never taken Pilates before, but I, I found an inexpensive class. I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do this. Uh, now in our virtual world, what I'm challenging myself to do is exactly what you and I are doing, is to, to go online. I'm not an online person. I'm an in-your-face person, but I can't do that anymore. So what is it that I'm afraid to do and I need to challenge myself is to learn how to use this remote camera, how to pay attention to this, how to do PowerPoint where I can still see, you know, I can still see the, the folks that are around me. So there's all manner of ways. In fact, every month, I'm looking at this right now, every month I write in, in, my, in my calendar, my day, yeah. what is it that you've done, Eileen, you've never done before. And right now, for November, um, I uh, I spoke in a drive-in. A wow, drive-in in a drive-in? <laughs> a drive-in movie. It was a fundraiser, so everybody's far away, yeah. and they're in their cars, and it's pitch black, and I'm looking at it, nothing, mm-hmm. but I've never done that before. That's really intimidating. Wow, yeah. To nothing. Um, <laughs> I, learned, um, I learned how to... Um, how to text, this is, this is going to sound stupid, but how to text a message from my car dashboard. I never knew how to do this. Wow, now, I didn't know that either. <laughs> I, right, I didn't. I didn't. And, here's this, and I discovered with my, I could, my goodness, I could speak a text message and it, it did that. Now here's what I'm, something that I'm going to do that I've never done before is I am going to run next week. It's Thanksgiving in the U.S. I am going to run a virtual turkey trot. Oh, nice. And so, <laughs> I, I do run, but 
how do you do a virtual turkey trot? Well, it turns out there's a there's an app that you put on your phone for the turkey trot, and you pay your money, you know, th- you know, remotely, and then you have four days. And I guess when I take off, I just you know do something on my oh, phone yeah. or whatever, and there I go to do my my 10k or whatever it is. I'm going to do a 10k. Yeah, and those sounds like simple things, but you know, Max, when we want to get feel like we have some sense of control out of our life. We don't need to do the big things. I've always believed you can quote me on it. An inch is a cinch. A mile (laughs) takes a while. And so as we go through this challenging times, you don't have to take on the biggest thing, but everything that I can do that I've never done before that pushes me out, I can reframe with this. It allows me to feel that I have some sense of control when there's so much that's in our world right now that is not in our control. You know, I love this so much because it brings the agency back into our lives, right? Mm-hmm. Away from the worries, away from the fears, and it gives us an activity to do. And you talk also about this idea that action really is a cure for anxiety, right? It's by taking action, by doing positive things and moving forward, we at least get some kind of traction in our lives and we're not stuck here anymore, sitting on a couch, worrying, being frustrated, being lonely, whatever yes. it is. Yes. And I let you quoted me from my book. Thank yeah. you for <laughs> doing that. Because that's one of the lines I use is that action is the anecdote for anxiety. See, when we sit and we're really anxious, my brain starts talking. God, this is terrible, this is horrible. I'm never going to make this. What if I did, you know, what if, what if, what if, what if? And our brains just drain the energy out of it. If I can put something, even something small, in motion, then I begin to get a sense of, okay, I can do this. And one of the best ways during times like this, Max, frankly, is to start with your physical body. Move it. That's an action you can take. You know, I, I saw this. It's funny thing somebody sent me because we know all the crazy things that are coming up now about being locked down. And it said, uh, when the lockdown is over, you, you, ha- you can be one of four things. You can either be a monk, a hunk, a chunk, or a drunk. <laughs> Decide wisely. I love that. <laughs> but I've heard more, more people talk about how much weight they've put on. And it's because... They haven't put something into motion, which actually is, you can get out. Um, Now, depending on different countries, sometimes um, I've done work in the Philippines. And uh, at one point in time, you had to seek permission to leave your house. Um, And that was also true in uh, Dubai for a while. I don't know if it's true right now. But anything that we can do to begin to put stuff in action, then it says, I have a sense of, and you use a lovely word, agency. I have a sense of agency. I can do something here. Yeah, and I, I think there's such a beautiful realization, this, this metaphor that you just gave, this example that like in the exact same situation, people still have the choice of what they're going to do with their lives. Are you going to become that drunk? Are you going to become that monk? That really is the choice that is up to us, right? It's how we choose to cope with the situation and the anxiety and whatever that everybody's feeling. So I think that's so important, this, that's this act of choice. Yeah, so can you talk- and I'm going to underscore the, the, the word that you just used because it's very, it's, it's very powerful. It's the word choose. Choose is the most powerful word in any language. 
and here's the opposite of choose, have to. I didn't have to go on this podcast video cast with you, Max. This is my choice. So if I say, what is it that I choose to do today? Do I choose to write that huge report? Do I choose to go on a Zoom meeting? Do I choose me as a manager? Do I choose to bring some of my team together? And let's talk about how everybody's doing. Do I choose to allow a quiet space for the person who works for me, who's an introvert, that we don't hear much from? Do I choose to have a one-on-one -on -one just as a check base, a touch base? See, these are some things that when there's no pandemic, when life was, quote, normal, we didn't take time for each other like this. That's why I also see the possibility that having to rethink how we come together has some real, um, I'll use the word, some real grace in it. Yeah. Some real grace, if we use that to an advantage. Yeah, so what, what do you see as the, the opportunities in the future? You know, you talk about this, you know, rediscovering me time, basically, um, and, and people finally having time to spend with themselves again, or organizations where managers and leaders are waking up and realize that mental health and checking in with their employees is absolutely crucial. What do you think, like, you know, in a year or two, when hopefully this, this whole thing is over, like, and people maybe go back to work again, what do you see as, like, opportunities that, that maybe we as society can also grab and really bring into existence? Human beings are very resistant to change. We plod. We move very slowly. And in all organizations, I don't care which one it is, I can go in and I can say, tell me one thing that you're doing that doesn't add any value. And you sit there going, why the heck am I doing this? We'll always find those things. What I sense now is best explained by telling you an event that happened in 1850 in which this massive storm went across went across Great Britain, went across England. Huge, wind, rain, you name it. And when the storm finally abated, five ships had gone down, all hands gone. Uh, a passenger ship bound for Ireland went down. A few people were rescued. And on the island of Orkney, which is off the coast of Scotland, when the villagers finally went out, there was a point of land that now is called Scarabre. And when they looked at this piece of land, Scarabre, the wind, the waves, the tide had ripped off the topsoil. And what the villagers saw, Max, when they looked down, there were houses there. Houses they had never seen. The houses, Max, when they finally did some archaeological work decades later, are older than Stonehenge, older than the great pyramids. No one saw what was there because it was hidden by layer after layer after layer. Here's what I think is the similarity. There's much right now in our lives, in our organizations, in our communities, in our nations that we've piled stuff on. And what this event, this pandemic has done it has ripped stuff away. So now I have to look at what's been buried all along. And that's where I see is the opportunity. So we bury it all along in my nation. We, we bury it all along the way people of certain, of certain ethnicities were treated. We ignored that.
We, we covered up how we handle healthcare. Just keep covering it up organizationally. We put layer after layer after layer on without ever saying. So now what I'd like to think is we could step back and say, wow, if I started from new, from scratch, what would it look like? And bring people around to have that kind of conversation. Can you imagine what that would mean for our for ourselves, for our communities, for our cities? It's not going to happen overnight, and it takes a great deal of courage. It takes a great deal of courage also to not say, just put all the dirt back. We'll pretend that we didn't see what's already here. Wow, you know, I, I love this metaphor so much. I really truly believe that the beautiful thing about pain is it calls attention to an unhealthy state of things. And it forces us to really address these issues, right? It forces us to take an honest look at our lives, at society, at culture, at our nation, whatever it is, and ask ourselves, like, is this actually right? And like, wh why is that too, why is it bothering me, right? What's wrong? And then actually face the truth yeah. of what the reality is of the world. And I think that is so beautiful. And this is exactly what, what you just shared, right? We have to face the reality. I love yeah. that so. And that's going to take, that's going to take such courage because there are people who are very vested in covering up all this stuff. Yeah. They're very vested because this is what the stock market says I'm supposed mm -hmm. to do. They're, they are very vested because I'm on this trajectory and if I do all these certain things, I'll be vice president of hoop-de-doo, you know, what, whatever it looks like. They're very vested in that. So it's going to take a lot of courage to say, how do I make a world that works for all? And the way I do it is I start small. I start with my own family. I start with whatever is my nucleus. Maybe I have a team that's around me. If we were to start this all over again, team, what could all things being equal? You know, what could it, how could we make this better? What holds us back from doing this? And what are the small steps that we could take? Can you imagine how powerful that conversation can be? Wow. Yes. And it really goes back also to this concept you talk about of living life by design and not by default. Yeah, of choosing right. our life. Can, can you talk to us about that, about how we can really design our lives and craft them, especially in the midst right now of this uncertainty and this chaos, where we have this opportunity to start from scratch to say, how do I want to live and where do I want to go and how do I actually, what are the values I want to stand for? Okay, you asked many questions in that one question. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all right, so I'm, I'm going to say something, and I hope this is okay, because you told me that you got very sick um, and that um, you laid there in bed and you said, what is it that I want in my life? Yeah. And you made some decisions. Now, here's the trick. We don't want to be sick like you. Yeah. <laughs> we, don't want, we don't want to have to do that. You don't want that. <laughs> it, was, it was, quote, imp imposed, if you will, upon you. But we all have the opportunity to stop. We don't stop. To stop and say, what is it? And I like the phrase. You use the word value. So I like to think with the end in mind, and if I think with the end in mind, if, if my life were to end two weeks from now, 
what is it that I want people to have said about me? What is it that I want to have done? What is it that feeds me, that gives me joy and a sense that this is why I was here? You know, I think it was uh, Mark Twain who said, there are two great moments in our life, the day you were born and the day you discover why. And so when you, when you think about that, so for you right now, to decide that what I really wanted to do was do the podcast. I'm going to ask you some questions, Max. Why did you want to do the podcast? I just knew there was, there was more potential inside of me. There was this, this drive for years to just collaborate and meet the most inspiring people to me. It's sort of like my, my childhood heroes to finally see them you know, face to face and whether it's through the screen or in reality and ask them questions about life and how to, really live better life and share it with the world. Because I realized that once I learned to be happy, I wanted to share the message of other people, the message of hope, the message of inspiration with all the people so they could also live happier lives. So it sounds to me that your why, your bigger picture, is contribution. Yes. How you do it is by finding a better way to tap into the knowledge of people whom you admire, respect, have gone before you. What you do is your podcaster. Exactly. But that came only because the why and the how and then what. And so what you did is you created a simple platform to allow the why, the how, and the what to come to life. Yeah, exactly. So stopping is the first place. And then I, I also believe that there's great value in writing. Yes, I am a writer, but I have a colleague, Sam Horn, who's always said, ink it to think it. And so if you grab whatever you want to write, write down, when you go back over your life, what's, was there an incident that brought you joy? An incident that, um, when I did this, it was really great. And what about that made that great? So you begin to go back and you, because where we are now is the result of everything of where we've been. And in that, not going back to all the terrible trauma, whatever, though out of that, all of us, I don't care how much trauma you have, out of all of that, inevitably where you are now is because of all of that. So while you said you didn't have much adversity in your life, I would contend that that puts you to where you say, I have to experience more of life because I've been protected. Yeah. Those of us who have experienced adversity in many different ways, whether it's illness, divorce, death, you know, losing a job or whatever it is, put us where we are now. And if I said, would you want to go back and redo it? Nine times out of 10, we say, no because it made me who I am right now. Now I have to figure out what I want to do going forward. Does that make sense? Yes, for sure. And I, I also love this. I mean, first, first of all, I want to go back to the why for a second, because I find that so powerful. Really starting with this question of like, what, what am I actually trying to do, right? Because like you said, the podcast is really just a means to an end. And there's many possible avenues to go through, right? But clarifying the why, like, 
why you actually wake up in the morning and why you do what you do, I think is so powerful and also then allows us to, to wake up in the morning with more energy and more agency in our lives because we know that even in the midst of this pandemic or whatever it is, we have a purpose and we're trying to accomplish something on a daily basis that moves us and moves society and people at large in the right direction. I think that is, that is so powerful. And then also this, this aspect that you just noticed or uh, mentioned of, of letting go a little bit of the past and, and also looking at the future and seeing how am I going to live with for, going forward, right? Not just looking at past, but asking how am I going to live with this going forward, I think is so critical in this situation right now. I'm going to make the best of this moment right here, right now, today. That's another powerful point. You were feeding me great lines. We, we didn't practice this for all you listening yeah. viewers. <laughs> no That's what I've never had before. This is, this is first, but you said, how do, I make, how do I make the most of this moment? And what you have chosen, there's my word choose, what you have chosen to do, you didn't have to do this, you chose to do this, is to say, today, my choice today is to speak to Eileen. Because today is the only day that I have. That's one of the other lessons for us, Max. I don't have tomorrow. I don't know if it will come. And I can't do anything about yesterday. There's a saying, yesterday is a canceled check. Tomorrow is a promissory note. <laughs> only today is negotiable. And I would contend to you, only this minute is negotiable. What happens to all of us as human beings, we don't live here. We live way over there. We live about, oh my gosh, it's what, what, what if, what if, what if, what if. And every time we live over there, what if? I missed what is. And what is, is right here, right now. So um, in my book, you'll see it. There's a poem called In the Now. And I wrote it to say what, this is the only place we have. We run so fast. We try to see, how, what's my to-do list and all this other stuff. To say, what is it that we need to do now? And because burnout comes from exhaustion, what we're doing is a lot of stuff that really doesn't have to be done now. What I need to do is the one thing now. And when that one thing is, what's the next one thing? So we don't pile on all of this stuff. And what is it that, now requires of me yeah that is so 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 powerful i really want to highlight that here and since you already mentioned this aspect of exhaustion i want to go back to energy management for for a second because i think it's it's really a different way of approaching this whole resilience aspect of of looking at energy as really you call it the the most valuable renewable resource that we as humans have at our disposal right? and i absolutely agree you, know, you yourself call yourself the the chief energy officer so can you share with us why energy really and this this really comes also back to today in this moment creating the energy mentally physically emotionally to live our lives right now right here yeah so if you think about it um Everything, the whole universe is energy. I mean, we, we know that. You know, you listen to any scientist. There's always this energy exchange. There's this movement that's moving around. So energy comes or is lost because of the connections that we make. So think about this. If you had a power grid, so here, here goes the electricity across the power grid. If the connection is good, the lights go on over here. If the connection is bad, lights don't go on, nobody goes anywhere, and it's dark. 
So think of energy first and foremost as where is it that I create connections that give me energy? Or the flip side, where is it that there's a disconnect and the energy doesn't come through? So like right now, Max, you and I have an energy connection in organizations. And I think this is a powerful energy connection. We also know we can have, quote, difficult connections with people that when you're finished, you're just like, oh, thank God they're gone. Uh. <laughs> so exhausting. You know, it's kind of like those, you know, people who, um, unfortunately, we have a lot of examples right now who demean, who bully, uh, who make fun of, who change their mind and they expect people to work for them and go, no, you're draining my energy. You know, I don't want to be there. Uh, so the connection's bad. So when we think then about energy management is really, again, to say, what is it that I'm thinking? Is it draining my energy or not? So that's when I live out there instead of here where I'm going, oh, my God, I'm terrified, terrified. Okay, that drains my energy. Um, what else drains my energy? Well, negativity. Oh, my God. To be negative, it, that's just, it takes everything down. And trust me, it's so easy to be negative instead of being positive. That's why intelligent reframing is a wonderful skill and not an easy skill. Uh, so, so the ability to, how is it that I'm managing my energy? How is it that I can get, get out of the past? That was then, this is now. That was then, this is now. The soil's been ripped away. What's here now? So first, this was my head. The next is the energy that comes from my heart. This is an incredible organism not organism, it's an organ. There's 60,000 miles of vein, capillaries, and arteries within the human heart. And we now know that we call the human heart the little brain, that the heart and the brain talk to each other. They talk all the time. And when you and I screw up, and I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm being facetious when I say you and I screw up, but we do. We do things because our brain said, I need to do this. Our heart told us something else. And I know when I don't listen to my heart, the intuition that's here, jeez, I make mistakes. I, I go in the wrong direction because I didn't, I didn't pay attention. So to connect with the energy of the heart, um, it actually requires courage too. In fact, the, word for, the English word for courage comes from the French word cour, cour de lion, the heart of the lion. So out of my heart, how well am I listening not just with my intelligent, you know, do all the factors, do the algorithms, you know, do the, the X, Y, Z to the fifth power or whatever it is. You know, what is it that my heart is telling me? And when I say it takes courage, it also takes courage to reach out to others. It takes courage for a manager to admit that they're uncertain about what the future looks like, that they're concerned about their aging mother who's in an assisted living center and you can't go see her. It takes courage to ask someone who is five steps below you, please tell me, Max, what do you think that we should be doing right now? That takes courage because you don't have all the answers. None of us have all the answers. So it takes courage. But every time we ask other people, tell me what you see, we begin to give ourselves different options of responding. So the connection with my head, the connection with my hand, and then, excuse me, my heart, and then the connection with my hand. And and I think of hand as being do. What am I going to do? Do, do, do. So, 
again, what is it that I am doing that gives me energy or depletes those energy? And sometimes there are things we, it's on the to-do list, I'll get it done because I know once it's done, I can move on to something else. What I think is interesting when the lockdown happened and maybe it happened there in Switzerland for you, one of the things when people were told you couldn't go out, you know what many people did, myself included, we cleaned our garage. <laughs> we cleaned our garage. We <laughs> emptied out our closets. We got rid of stuff to sit in the office that you don't need anymore. And I think it was that action of putting something in motion that you've wanted to do all along. You wanted to get rid of those clothes in the closet that you never wear. You wanted to figure out, what am I doing with all this stuff that's in my garage? So, you, so we put things in motion because it gave us a sense of control. It told us this was an action that we could take. We began to have um, virtual happy hours. We had virtual dinners with friends. We put things into motion. Because action is the anecdote for anxiety. So the more we can decide what is it that I can do. So my head, my heart, my hands. And then the third way that we create connections that give us energy is laughter. It's humor. Head, heart, hand, humor. You know, it's the shortest distance between two people. I didn't say that Victor Borgia did, but he's so right. You know, when somebody will laugh with you, even a little tiny laugh, you create a connection. You create an energy connection. Um, sometimes if I'm doing a Zoom meeting, depending on what it is, I might have them do something that's fun, like, okay, it's fancy footwear time. Let's see what's on your feet. Oh. I mean, you look at some of these people. You're the vice president. All of a sudden, you realize he sticks up his foot and he's got on bunny bedroom slippers. You know, <laughs> you know, you just you have to laugh at some. You have to laugh at some things. You would say, okay, how if 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 you were creating a hashtag for where we are right now, what would that hashtag be? Well, it's hysterical to see what people come up with. Um, but anyway, yeah, I've seen you do the like the five. Five foot like measuring tape before. I love that. <laughs> I Max, you get an A plus. You have done the most research <laughs> on my website, on my book. You know what's there. Thank I told you, you I'm a professional you. stalker. <laughs> <laughs> you do know that's, that's really my job. Oh yeah. I did it six feet. <laughs> <laughs> very good very no, that, that, that really good. got me I, I, I absolutely agree I think there's something so beautiful about positive emotions humor love connection that like when we like they can like just a little spark can finally transform our day or relationship so I've seen this over and over again right someone's feeling down they're feeling depressed they're feeling sad they're feeling angry and like you do something to like make them laugh, right? To make them smile. And like the whole energy just changes. The whole group dynamic changes because yeah. all of a sudden you're in a whole different mental framework. I think yeah. looking hey, for and these- And you know, there's, well, and, and a kissing cousin of laughter is play. Yeah. It's play. Um, there's a, Stuart Brown has written a lot about play. And he studied animals first. And he, he realized when he looked at bear cubs that, and I guess he must have followed them through their growing up, that the cubs that played as cubs were more confident and successful as grown-up bears than the ones who just kind of stayed with mom. 
But play can take many different forms. Um, and I think it's that little tweak. Like when you said somebody's had a really bad day, that doesn't mean you go and slap them on the back and tell them the greatest joke you ever heard. That's yeah. not good. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's the gentle putting your arm around somebody. Back in those days when we could put our arm around somebody and say, I'm here, I'm here for you if you need me. But play, uh, I'll give you a simple example of, quote, play. Years ago, um, my husband and I went on a cruise. And it was, it was actually after 9-11. And the cruise ship was one of these very expensive cruise ships, which normally we would not be able to go on. And it could not do the, uh, the Mediterranean. And so what the cruise ship, my husband got the brochure. It was deadheading coming from Alaska, coming from Alaska, uh, no, coming from, Nor yeah, north, north, of, north of Vancouver. It was coming south to Los Angeles. And the rates were like a fraction of what they normally would. So we decided we would go on our first ever cruise. Uh, so we would fly to Vancouver, pick up this boat, this cruise ship, that was deadheading. Deadheading means it's just going to refuel and now it's going to go on a real trip like down through Mexico and places. Anyway, I, I bring that up because a friend, for some reason, gave me, when we boarded the ship, she had me a little package, and in it was one of those little things of bubble-blowing stuff, you know, with the bubble-blowing and the wand. Yeah, I love blow those. <laughs> so what's interesting is we are out at sea, and I decided there were three decks, and I got to the topmost deck, and uh, we weren't, we were just at sea. And I decided that I was gonna play and I would blow bubbles. Well, I have to tell you, Max, if you've ever blown a bubble at sea, it becomes huge. I don't know whether it's the salt air, but it goes And I could see the bubbles going down to the different levels. And I could hear people start to laugh. They were laughing at the bubbles. And then suddenly up, onto this deck comes a man who is very um, into his own self-importance. And this was back when it was really expensive to use cell. And he had his big fancy whatever. And he said, Duh, I have to come up here because uh, I need to make a call to my broker. He said, uh, you know, up here, you got to use satellite. And it's, and he had something, he said, you know, it cost 45, $45 a minute to place calls up here and I held up my little wand and I said and this cost about 0.000045 cents an hour and my <laughs> he, 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 he didn't get it Max he didn't get it <laughs> but it was it made me sad actually for him but blowing those bubbles made great joy and laughter for the people below. Yeah. So when I say play, play can take many forms. Yeah, I, I truly believe that one of the greatest life hacks, not just for, for bringing others joy, but also ourselves, is that play. And it's, it's just acts of kindness. And you, you talk about this, this really great story about palm trees and gratitude that I think was just hilarious. So maybe can you also share that and how expressing gratitude over, you know, sometimes the quote unquote smallest little things 
can make someone's day. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up because when we talk about what are the choices I have, when I am consumed with me, it becomes difficult to get out of me. When I do something for someone else, particularly when they least expect it, you will walk away with more energy from that activity. Um, now, I don't remember which story we told in the book, um, but I know a couple weeks ago, I baked two lemon cakes mm -hmm. and I took them down to our post office. The post office in all of this crazy election and everything, they have just been inundated. They've been working so hard and their hands, frankly, have been tied by some stuff that happened at a higher level and they're doing the best that they can. And when my postal carrier comes to the house, I can go out and say hello to him and say thank you. But the people behind the counter, you know, you just go in, you buy your stamps or whatever. That's it with your mask. Mm -hmm. So I took down the lemon cakes oh. and I said, I just want to say thank you so much because I know this is hard for you guys and we really appreciate what you're doing. Oh. Max, one of the women behind the counter started crying. <laughs> She said, nobody ever says thank you to us. I felt like I had handed them a million dollars. And all I gave them was a homemade lemon cake. <laughs> so all the small things we do. Another day when I was doing my early morning run, I'm coming down the street and here's this elderly woman and I could see her struggling with a trash can because the, the trash collectors were coming that day. And I, I hollered at her. I said, can I do that for you? And she said, oh, I was wondering how I was going to get this out. So I went over and pulled out her trash can. Now, even those these stories about things that I did, I mentioned them not because of me. It's because they're things that we can all do. Yes. Small things that we can all do. You know, the, the, the little kid that's being pushed in the stroller and you, you smile at them and wave even though you're at a distance. And even with a mask on, mm -hmm. Eyes can match eyes, and you can tell. So what, every time we step out of, our, out of ourselves and out of our way, I think that also gives us energy. Yeah, I, I love the way you say it, stepping out of ourselves, right? Because I think this is really what's necessary in order to then be able to focus on other people. The beautiful thing is that this moment we focus on making another person happy, we also forget about all the drama and all the problems that are going on in our own head, right? We just make them happy. And seeing that smile of that little baby or that old woman or whatever it is, it also makes us happy. And it is so beautiful. Yeah, it does. It does. It's uh, Gratitude is very powerful. And I think it's also powerful. Again, I'm, I'm a big believer in writing. I have a gratitude journal. And I write and I'm trying to make myself write in it every day. What am I grateful Four. Yeah. So it's, it's the sun is out, the, the ocean is blue, um, it's mild right now in Southern California. I'm grateful for my amazing husband. I'm grateful for my, you know, who am I grateful to? Now that takes a little bit of effort, but I'm, I'm grateful to, and that is generally, a, it's a person. Um, in this past year, I, every week, I wrote a gratitude letter to someone who at least expected. And I really wow. had to think about and tell them specifically why I was grateful to them. The third gratitude is to feel a sense of gratefulness 
in the face of adversity? What am I grateful for this COVID? And that's what got my colleague and I talking about what were some of the benefits? What are we grateful for? Um, We've had the longer conversations. We've known each other, quote, known each other. We all have known each other, but we didn't know each other. So um, those are three gratitudes that, um, again, an inch is a cinch, a mile is a while that I can do. Wow, I love that so much. Now, I think we talked about so many great ideas, concepts, tips, tools today. If you could put just one thing for our listeners, one challenge, one action step to take away from today, and to start applying right away, what would be that one most important thing? Oh, I can only have one. <laughs> let's let's maybe get up to two. <laughs> okay, I, I, am, I am big about, I'm a wordsmith. I speak, I write facilitate. I think language is important. So I think changing I have to, to I choose to. It's really, and that's a practice, man. It is not easy. I get called on this all the time. What is it that you choose to do? It's not, I have to have soup for dinner. I'm choosing to have soup for dinner. Um, So one is the words. And by the way, when all this stuff happened and they, and I just, Social distancing. That's the wrong word. It's not social distancing. It's physical distancing. Why aren't we calling it what it is? Because what we want, Max, is we want social connection. We need physical distancing, but we yearn for social connection. So words are really important. And then I guess if if I could, let me have one other one, is, is is this really notion of living in the now. That today is the only day I have. What is it that I choose to put in here that will give me energy, that will help someone else? How can I identify what isn't working? What are my choice points for today and only today? Love that so much. Now, before I ask my final question, where can our listeners find you online? <laughs> well, hopefully you're going to spell my name. Because <laughs> yes. it is, it is, it's a different name. Eileen is the Irish spelling of Eileen. Macdar, M-C-D-A-R-G-H, that's an odd name. They can, go, they can Google me. They can find my website. They can go to Amazon. It's got all these locations around the world. You can buy any number of my books. They're right there on Amazon. And it's not just books. We also have the newest book has got a great audio to it. Um, the woman who we hired to do the audio reading was just, she did a great job, really. And it's also in, in Kindle version. Um, so if you come to my website, you can sign up and get my e-sign, which comes out, um, as I like to say, when the mood strikes. <laughs> and the mood doesn't strike very much because we're too inundated with too much email. It's another thing that drains our energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it comes out about four times a year. But I also do a weekly blog post that you can sign up for or check out. Um, so that's how they can that's how they can find me. And if anyone is really interested in exploring either as a team or as individuals, your why, how, why, how, and what, email me Eileen at EileenMacDar.com, and I can uh, help you with an assessment instrument for that. Love that. Thank you. Now we talked about maxing out the beginning of the show. So what does it mean for you to max out your life? <sighs> Well, um, 
that's what to max out my life. I'm not sure that I want my life maxed out. And I'll tell you why. Because when you say it's maxed, it means I've gone as far as I can go. It's maxed. Yeah. I want to think that maxed is a verb. And it's maxing, I-N-G. So it is constantly pushing out, constantly learning, constantly growing, constantly thinking. So I want to see myself as maxing life. Love that so much. Eileen, thank you so much for coming in the show. All right, guys, that's it for today. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you gained some valuable ideas, tips, tools, tricks, mindsets, belief systems that will hopefully inspire you to take your life to the next level. At the end of the day, guys, it's all about application. The only thing that's going to set you apart tomorrow from where you are today is how much action you take with those ideas that you gained. And so I really want to challenge you at this point to you know, not just listen to this passively, to not just consume this you know, passively, just thinking about other things, but to really take those lessons, take those ideas that you just gained and start applying them to your life. So really start taking action and sprinting towards those goals and those dreams that you have in your life. Now, guys, at this point, I want to ask you for a huge favor. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider heading over to iTunes and leaving a review as that helps me really grow the show and reach more people, impact even more people around the world. You know, if you have a family member, friend, a loved one maybe, that you think could benefit from this content, please consider you know, sharing it with them, forwarding to them, as that helps us really build a community of like-minded people that are all about maxing out their lives. Now, guys, with that being said, thanks so much for tuning in today. I really, really appreciate it. Stay strong and see you tomorrow.